I think the highlight has been just how much I love my partner. Last night, we had a really fun lovemaking session. <laughs> and then I went to bed and he was still working. And as I was going to bed, it was sounds silly because obviously we're married, but I was like, I could spend the rest of my life with this person. <laughs> Today, we are talking about COVID-19 and dating and how the pandemic is affecting our dating lives collectively, as well as our relationship lives, which is going to be a fun topic of discussion because there's a lot to talk about. So thank you for being with us again, Violet. You're one of my favorite guests, so really appreciate you being on. I'm excited to talk about this really important topic, and thank you so much. I love being on the show. It's always fun because I work with men along with Jason and you work with women. So I feel like the episodes where we talk together is a good sort of balance. You have a lot of insight into women's experience and it's just neat to see how that comes together. So um, we are going to be talking about our own experiences today, Violet and myself as individuals. And we are also going to be incorporating you all and your survey responses. So I hit up my Big Sexy data set, which is the group of people that I send my surveys to and, and um, who helps collaborate with me on my sex research. If you're interested in participating in that at any point and you're not yet a member, just email me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com and say, add me to the Big Sexy data set and I will add you and you will get surveys. If you hear a survey response on this podcast, it means that that person opted in to say, yes, you can use my comments. You can pull quotes from my research on the podcast and you always have the choice to just remain completely anonymous. Um, you can always just submit survey responses and they won't be uh, shared on the podcast, but you also have the, the uh, ability to have your responses be shared anonymously on the podcast. So I'm never going to mention sort of uh, identifying details, but if you, if you do put something like a city name or other characteristics like that, I'll generally leave those out when I'm quoting you on the podcast. So, um, we are going to jump in with talking about dating during COVID. So we're sort of going to do this in sections. We're going to talk about dating during COVID as in people that were not in committed relationships. And then we're going to talk about relationships and how COVID has affected people who were in relationships when the pandemic hit. So first of all, we're going to talk about dating during COVID. And I'm curious, Violet, to just hear from you, since you do work with a lot of women, and I believe you you said a few of your women that you've worked with have actually met people during the pandemic. Um, I think the question on a lot of people's minds is, how? How are people meeting? (laughs) How are people meeting dating partners during the pandemic? So do you have any stories of the women that you've worked with who have met people? How did that go? How did they meet them? And how did it go? I do have some great stories. The majority of my clients who've met partners during the pandemic have met them online, which is a difference than pre-COVID. So pre-COVID, half of my clients met their person online, half of my clients met their person in real life. And it was mainly a preference how someone wanted to meet someone. And I encourage my clients to do both options because why why not? Um, But to do the online dating in a specific way that makes it 
lower anxiety and, and more effective. But because of COVID, everyone I'm encouraging to do online, even if they had been resistant to doing that in the past. And one of my clients met her now boyfriend online during the pandemic. He was the first person that she met after joining my program. And I think she met him, I don't know, six weeks or something after starting to work with me. And they decided to just make it exclusive. They didn't do that right away. They still waited a few weeks or maybe like eight weeks, but they went on COVID dates for a while and then, you know, chose to quarantine kind of together and the rest is history. I do have one client who met a person that she's still exclusively dating on a walk. Now this was in early March before masks were mandatory. And I have another client that met someone on, I think it was, yeah, some sort of function. I don't know if it was a party somewhere that they were not doing COVID, but I've only had two clients that met someone just in the wild, so to speak. But the person who met her guy on a walk, like literally she was on a walk and he came up and talked to her. I think my experience is that people are more interested in connection now than ever before, even if it's maybe harder to find that connection at times. Interesting. Can you go back to, okay, so you had a woman who met, who is her now boyfriend online. I think you said you met, she met, she met him online. And then you said that they went on several COVID dates. I'm curious what you meant by that, because this is something I've been wondering about people who are dating right now. Did they meet in person and wear masks? Is that what you meant by a COVID date? Or did they do like, you walk on one side of the street and I'll walk on the other side of the street. Like, how did that work? Both. So some of my clients, the one woman I was talking about in particular, they did the, we're going to walk six feet away from each other and not wear masks. And they continued to do the social distancing thing, walking six feet and keeping their distance. And then I don't know if they got tested or if they both just said, Hey, we both know that we don't have COVID and I trust you now that we've hung out like four or five times or can't remember the exact number, but they did like hikes and grab coffee, but walk apart from each other. And then I have other clients who have done dates where you wear the mask and after a few dates and they decide, you know, they like take their mask down to show the person what they look like, but they're not in super close proximity. Um, and then I have other clients who are doing dates where they're at outdoor restaurants or outdoor live music or things that cities are doing that are really innovative and they're not necessarily wearing masks. It really depends on the person's comfort level and also where they live. And then another client who is in a relationship now that met during COVID is in a more rural area where I think the risk is lower and, and she and the person she met felt comfortable not even really caring much about, like they didn't do anything from the beginning. They were just like, yep, we both know we don't have COVID and I'm totally fine um, meeting this person and having a regular date. See, now that's so interesting because I feel like a lot of it depends on your living situation. So Mm -hmm. I live with several other housemates. And so I'm pretty cautious in terms of who I'm meeting and none of us is bringing anyone back to the house. But I imagine if I were living alone and I weren't, I wasn't seeing anyone, my risk tolerance would possibly be higher. This is assuming I'm not immunocompromised, which we'll get to because a couple of people mentioned that in their responses. But assuming I'm not immunocompromised, I know that I haven't seen anyone. I know that I've been careful. But the question is, you know, at what point do you, do you sort of trust the other person in their, you know, like basically you say there's this woman, right. Who goes on three socially distanced dates with this guy. 
at some point, one of them is going to reach the conversation of like, hey, do we want to like pod up together? Because it's basically what you're talking about when you're going to be dating or you're assuming you're going to see them again is like, okay, now we're, we're sort of quarantining together, not necessarily in the same house, but it's, it's, it's almost like an STI conversation, but before you're talking about sex necessarily, do you recall in her case who brought it up and how that conversation went? I don't remember who brought it up. I just remember her saying that they talked about it and they just both kind of agreed. I think they talked about it before they even met. I think they were like, Hey, we're going to meet, which is exciting, but if we really like each other, then what? Like, are we going to meet and date other people? Are we going to not do that? Like, I think they kind of laughed about it and talked about it early and often. Oh, I like it. I like that. They laughed about it and talked about it early and often. I feel like that's how we should all <laughs> do all things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like All dating conversations <laughs> should be like, yeah, yeah. but it, it is this interesting dynamic where People are looking for relationship, it seems like, and connection, but then you almost have to be exclusive sooner than you normally would be because of COVID or do masks and social distancing if you're going to date multiple people, not to mention, like you said, living situations or being immunocompromised and people have different risk tolerances. I mean, my clients tell me all the time that there's still people they interact with, well, they don't interact with, they reach out to them on the site that say, Hey, want to be my quarantine buddy? Like that's their first message. <laughs> so people are, are trying to find connection in any way that they can. Yeah. I think that's worth just throwing into the dialogue here is how, if you do live alone, I think the loneliness epidemic, which was already happening has been exacerbated for those that were living alone it's just worse and worse. And I've also heard that particularly from women on, on dating sites that men will reach out and say, you want to be my quarantine buddy? And it's sort of obvious that they're extremely lonely and really just desperately wanting connection in, in, in the kind of way that's like, you don't even know who I am yet. (laughs) Like I don't, and I don't know who you are, but it's like that person is just so, so desperately lonely. Yeah. It seems Per your last podcast about, you know, who has a harder time in relationships in the, in the past, maybe women would have a harder time getting commitment, but easier time getting dates. And now it feels like men have an even harder time getting dates. So I really feel for the men who some women are, are more cautious about going on a first date, meeting up with someone just casually. They want to know the person first. They want to know their intentions. They want to build an emotional connection. So I, I feel like it puts men at a bit of a, of a disadvantage. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I want to read a couple of the responses here. This was an answer to the question. If you met someone to date during the pandemic, how did you meet them? And how did you date? Like what was the, you know, protocol, so to speak. Uh, one person said, did one Zoom date, which was awkward, have also done a couple in-person outdoor socially distanced dates like mini golf or beer gardens, which I thought was cool. Mini golf, especially. I was like, ah, oh, that sounds like a great, a great outdoor you could distance and it's still really fun. Um, and then another person said, sort of to your point, due to my rural area, people here aren't as worried about contact Mm-hmm. We actually had chances to go hiking and then lunch back at my place. No public activities, basically. So that sounds like what you were saying of people that feel comfortable already. Um, I think that's less of a thing in, in cities. I think people are a bit more cautious in cities just because they have 
a lot more cases and a lot more contact. Um, and then one other person talked about, this is a guy who said, I met two women on dating apps, which is a market improvement. One of whom I had a nice video chat with before she ended the video chat abruptly. And this person was like, I just got back on OkCupid. What the fuck am I doing right now? So (laughs) I feel like there's this thing that happens in general in, I don't know if you've experienced this with your clients, Violet, but the love-hate relationship that many people have with the apps where they'll be on the apps and then they'll get frustrated because either they feel like people are flaky or they're not meeting someone and then they delete all the apps and then they get lonely again. And so they install all the apps. And I just thought this was a funny, like, uh, example of that. And I'm imagining that perhaps that's happening in an accelerated fashion now, (laughs) given that there aren't that many other opportunities to meet people. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's a way that we as a culture, people in general, are relying on the apps even more than before, given that it's a lot harder to meet someone in person. And I think that's an interesting shift because in a way, it could be that people are taking it more seriously than they did before. Because before, I don't know about you, Violet, when you were on apps, but I would notice that I would do the apps and then I would get distracted by life. I would forget (laughs) about them and go back and there would be messages and I'd be like, oh yeah, that's right. This was the thing I was doing. Whereas when you have less contact and you're lonelier, you're, you're probably more likely to be, be taking it more seriously. Yes. And I think there's been studies showing that people are online more now than pre COVID on social media and using their phones and using technology. So people seem to be putting more energy into being on their apps and being online. Some of my clients have definitely said, I need a little break from the apps. So, you know, I took a few weeks off, but I, I try to teach my clients that it needs to be sustainable for, so whether you're on, I, I like to say, just be on two apps, pick one that's more like a site and one that's more like a swipey app and have a profile that really works and make a messaging strategy so that you're not getting, you know, sucked into things that don't feel right for you, but you're also not, you know, weeding people out that could be a good fit. So I have heard some of the, I'm sick of the apps and I deleted them and took a break, but not actually any more than any other time. It's a smaller amount of women that I work with that go through that cycle. Yeah. And I, I think, um, in terms of the men that, that we're working with, it seems like actually, um, a bunch of our guys are, are choosing not to date right now. They're sort of focusing on themselves and growing and, and learning themselves and, tr- and doing personal transformation work rather than being on the apps. They're sort of taking, taking COVID as an opportunity to turn inwards. And I feel like that's really smart as a strategy. And um, yeah. And, and then the other thing I just wanted to put in here is, I actually met someone during COVID and was not expecting that at all. And it was through like an online um, class, like course type thing, like more like a social event course. But um, I think there's, there's cool opportunities to, to meet people through like learning environments or online environments that are not necessarily the apps but where you do get to actually connect over a subject and kind of like see people face to face and by face to face, I mean, over zoom, (laughs) but at least you're not wearing a mask on zoom and you can actually sort of get to know someone that way. So, um, 
and that was a really good experience. Like I, you know, met him and then he like Facebook messaged me and we started, we like did a few zoom hangouts and then I went to, went to see him in person. Um, so that felt like really smooth and easy. And I was surprised because I think there's sort of a perception, at least I have a perception. I think a lot of people do too, that it's harder to meet someone right now. And I, I'm so curious because I'm sort of like, I don't know, is it? Like, I'm not really, I don't, I'm not sure. I think a lot of that kind of attitude has to do with, with your own, your, your own assumptions and not necessarily the reality of the situation. Of course, that's completely different if you are, you know, immunocompromised in terms of like meeting someone at a grocery store or something. But, but even so, there's a lot of opportunities now more than ever to sort of meet online in different kinds of environments, not just on an online dating app. Um, so I'm curious to hear what you think about that. Like, do you think that it, it actually in reality is harder to meet someone right now? Or do you think that's just a belief that some people hold? I think it's a great question that depends on what someone's personality is like and the way that they feel the most comfortable. So I have clients that are used to meeting people at networking events and sporting events. And they're the sort of people that are out of their home five nights a week. And they just like being out and about and they don't really like being on their apps. And for them, it's been more of a challenge to just get used to the apps and to not be able to feel someone's energy or touch their arm or look into their eyes in the same way. And it's been an adjustment and they've felt that it's been harder, but I don't know if it's actually harder or more that it's just a new skill that they're building and that they're getting used to. And then I also have clients that have said, Oh, it's so much easier because I don't have to waste time getting all pretty to go on a drink date with someone that I end up not liking. Now I feel really empowered to say, no, I want a phone call and then a video date and then a real date if we get to that far. So in some ways it's easier to meet someone and easier to, I should say, meet someone that you're more likely to have a good fit with versus taking dating to be really, really casual. And I'm a coach obviously. So I believe that our mindset shapes a lot of things. It's not everything we need to be connected to our body and to our heart. But if we believe that it's going to be really hard, then it is going to be really hard. But I have a client who I just actually was connecting with last week and she's dating like four different people. Now she's not dating them as in like going out on dates, but she's having video dates with them. One of them, they had a social distancing date and they haven't decided to be exclusive. Like she says she has a ton of opportunities. So I think it, it depends on, like you said, how much internal work have you done and do you have the skills and the support and what else is going on in your life? I also have clients who are immuno immunocompromised who are just a hard no, not only to meeting someone or not only to the online apps and meeting someone in, not only to meeting someone organically, but also to the apps because they actually don't even want to risk going on a first date or a second date. They don't, they don't want to place their trust in someone else because it could literally kill them. Yeah. Or, or someone they love, right. Cause that's so some people like I, I have um, someone I know, lives with her dad and she goes to work. She has to go physically go, go to work. And she's pretty stressed because she, she doesn't want to bring it home. So I think that's a whole category of, of people that um, are having a totally different experience of the pandemic than those of us that are not immunocompromised. I think that's such a, an added layer of stress that I think we can't really necessarily understand unless we're in 
in a position like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I haven't visited my dad because of that. Cause I'm like, I don't really want to get on an airplane and then have, I don't want to have any risk of me getting you sick. Like I'd rather have a 0% risk and miss the hell out of you than, than risk that at all. Like I'm not interested in that. That doesn't feel safe to mm-hmm. me. Um, so I would imagine same in dating situations and we'll get to that in the, in the relationship section. There was one that was like, Oh, it made me sad about not really being able to connect with the person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, okay. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to add one other thing. I feel in my experience that it's not any harder to meet someone now, but it does take a different skill set. But I want to be clear. If you're someone listening to this, who's had a hard time meeting someone, I don't want you to feel ashamed of that. Like we're talking about the specifics of dating, but there's also, like we said, immunocompromised, there's our health, there's our work situations, there's our economic situation, there's the systemic racism that we're trying to confront as a country. There's so much going on that I, I will say sometimes emotionally, I think people are having a hard time. Some of the people that I, that I work with and that I've talked to are having a hard time just finding how to balance the vulnerability with the chaos of everything happening and that inner resiliency. That's a really good point, especially like what we talked about in terms of loneliness, that if, if you are a person who is living alone, you know, you're contending with a lot of isolation and, Mm -hmm. and that's really can take a really big toll and in, and it can, it can make you feel like if you do get on the apps and you're not getting any responses, it can make you feel worse, right? It's sort of like a worsening agent. <laughs> Loneliness and isolation kind of makes everything else just worse. So thank you for speaking to that because I think there is a lot going on and it's affecting all of us in different ways and taking an emotional toll in different ways, but it, they're significant, like, very significant. Absolutely. Um, And I just want to share that a lot of times women rely on connection, in-life connection, but also virtual connection to help regulate our nervous systems. Whereas men will rely on achieving something or working out and doing something physical or just getting space when they're stressed. And I noticed in the survey, a lot of the respondents who identified as female said things or who seemed to from the use of their pronouns and everything um, seemed to say more about anxiety and even people who are talking about their girlfriends use the word like, Oh, my girlfriend is so stressed or has so much anxiety. So it feels like women are feeling a lot of anxiety. It seems during the pandemic. Yeah. I'm imagining like everyone is feeling it in a different, different way. And like you said, it might show up in, in a different way. Um, but it's definitely being felt in a number of, of, of different ways. Um, I just want to go a few of these responses to how has COVID-19 affected your dating life overall? Uh, One person said, put it on hold because I don't want to bring unknown people into my germ pod, (laughs) which I thought was uh, funny. Um, And then another person said, semi-difficult. Everyone is at different comfort levels when it comes to social distancing, mask wearing, and just being out in public. There can be an attitude or judgment if you're taking it more seriously or being more protective. And I thought that was interesting because it sort of points to the cultural differences of where you are in the country for this pandemic. Again, the sort of urban rural divide. I think that, you know, I live in Los Angeles at the moment and I masks everywhere you go, every single 
establishment says no mask, no service. It's, it's, you know, everyone here is taking it quite seriously, at least in the Los Angeles area, not so much in Orange County. But my sister and I met up um, to go to Sequoia in the sort of middle of the state, which is a more sort of conservative part of the state. And there was no, no mask, no service. We went to a brewery that had an outdoor patio and none of the wait staff were wearing masks and we chose not to go. But I think that there's, um, yeah, there's just, there's a cultural difference that I thought was interesting in that, in that uh, response, because this person obviously lives somewhere where there can be an attitude or a judgment if you're taking it more seriously or being more protective. And I would imagine it's almost like an initial sorting mechanism of, are you someone who's taking this seriously or not as like a, are we going to be a fit kind of a thing? <laughs> like how seriously are we each taking this um, for our own protection, but also the protection of other people in our communities? Yes. And the social pressure, if you're in an area where people are like master stupid, then maybe it feels, you feel less confident dating if you want to be wearing a mask. I think this person kind of alluded to that who responded. But on the other hand, if you're somewhere where there are a lot of masks, you might, you know, it's just, it's just interesting. Like you might feel like, of course you want to wear a mask, but maybe you also feel shy about like, well, then they can't see my smile. They can't see my face. Like I feel awkward. Like I think the amount of awkward moments is, is high right now. Yeah. And a couple of people in terms of how it's affected their dating lives, several people mentioned not exactly what you said, but something towards what you said about meeting on Zoom versus meeting in person first. Mm-hmm. So that it's basically changed the pacing of how they've done it and that it's actually that actually lowers the barrier of of um initial contact because it's kind of like, oh, I don't have to like do the whole rigmarole of getting to the place and going and doing the thing, right? I can sort of like finish work at six, you know, and then if I have a seven o'clock Zoom date, it doesn't mean like I have to finish at six and I have to get ready and I have to do all this stuff and I have to get in the car and I have to find parking and I have to do all of that. I can just log on. So there's a kind of a, there's a nice sort of lowering of that initial barrier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And someone, this person said, um, this is, I think this is a woman. She says, it's affected how soon I'm willing to date someone. In the past, if a man wanted to meet for a drink before extensive texts or calls, I would be open to that. Now I want to be a little more curious and have a deeper sense of the guy before I'm willing to take a risk. But she says, the downside of this is that everyone builds up an idealized version of someone by this point. So inevitably the human that is eventually in front of them pales in comparison to this ideal. So people retreat immediately back into the apps for the elusive, idealized, perfect person. App dating was difficult before COVID, but this issue feels heightened now. And I thought that was kind of an interesting analysis of, like, I want to get to know the person better than I would before. Like before I would just kind of, yeah, let's just meet up and see what happens. But now it's like, yeah, no, I want to do a Zoom date or two to actually see if we are a good fit, at least to have the first contact because there is risk there. Even if you're wearing masks and outdoors, there's still, there's still risk, especially if you're consuming alcohol or eating, because you have to take your mask off to do that. And I feel like I've been in scenarios during this period of time where we were trying to socially distance, but if you're in, even on an outdoor patio, and if you're having a conversation with someone and you're eating or drinking, there's instances where one or both people isn't wearing their mask and you're kind of leaning in because you can't hear them otherwise. 
if the patio has any kind of music or there's other conversation going on. And I've definitely been in circumstances where I'm like, this doesn't really feel that safe anymore. Like we're giving a nod to masks, but it's not really like not really working. And a couple of people kind of mentioned that as like a, you know, in terms of the actual dates, they're like, we're doing stuff at home. So either like we'll cook or like, we'll, you know, something like mini golf, for example, right? Because you're not near other groups of people versus the outdoor patio thing, which sounds good in theory, but I've definitely read articles that they believe that restaurants are one of the places that the virus is spreading right now. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's like, it sounds like it could work, but then when you're there, you're like, I don't know about this. Yeah, I think a social distant walk where you're both wearing masks and six feet apart and outdoors without a lot of people is the is the safest way. And ideally, after you've had some Zooms, I feel very, very protective of men and women dating. And I would not want anyone to do something in the home or getting in someone else's car or doing anything that's in close proximity for safety reasons in general, I would never recommend that on a first or second date, but incredibly more so now with COVID. So if someone says like, oh, we can't go out, just come over and let's watch a movie or I'll cook you dinner. I mean, that's a no in my mind. That's, you just don't even know the person yet. Yeah, agreed. And I think I was conflating one of the responses because I think they were already dating Mm -hmm. and they were talking about dates. uh, Yes. they had like just met, there was someone that, oh, this was the response. This was, uh, if you met someone to date during the pandemic, how did you meet them and how did you date? This person said, my girlfriend and I just made the cutoff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, had met, we had met on Hinge, um, which was my first time trying a dating app as I had been staunchly against them previously. Our first date was in early March, just as the pandemic started. Our second was after they closed schools. I think that gave us just enough time to get comfortable with the idea of visiting each other's apartments mm-hmm. as the world shut down around us. And so sort of to your point, I think that person later on talked about the dates that they they went on after that were basically all apartment dates. So they they got in just before the cutoff, felt safe going to each other's places, and then they didn't really do outside dates. It was all... Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I think this was the person who... Um, who said basically uh, that they they were dating in reverse, right? Like kind of jumping to the like, we've been dating for months and all we do is watch Netflix and cook dinner together. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I think he was like, I'm excited to like take her on real dates after this whole thing. Uh, but I thought that was kind of a, a cute phrase of dating in reverse. Absolutely. And it's important to recognize that the apps are not, typically designed to help you get into relationship. They're gamified. They're based on the number of users that they use. And so it's amazing that that person was able to get in before they cut off and had used Hinge. I really recommend Hinge. It's one of the best sites, Hinge and Match for my clients. And being open to dating in different ways, it's not going to feel the same. And if I can hope for anything, it's that COVID dating is highlighting the need to date based on values instead of superficial things. Like really with someone, date someone who can emotionally be there for you and physically too. But, you know, if you're looking to have someone who's going to sweep you off your feet because they're going to wine and dine you, 
it's just a different time. And I don't believe that that's what creates a substance of relationship anyway, although it can be very fun. So I'm hoping that it leads to actually longer lasting unions because the foundation is based on things that I think make a bigger difference in creating a healthy relationship. Mm. Two things I thought were interesting there. One, um, you, you mentioned that the apps aren't actually designed to help people get into relationships because they're gamified. Can you just elaborate on that a little bit? Cause I think that's really true and something we don't really talk about. In my experience sites, which I consider to be eHarmony and match and websites that were designed for dating that came around in the early two thousands seem to be much more focused on compatibility and getting into relationship. And granted, some of their features are a little like clunky or cheesy, especially eHarmony has all these questions and all of that. But benefit is something like Match has a search feature where you can really filter and drill in versus the apps, which I'm talking about Tinder and Hinge and Bumble and Coffee Meets Bagel and all of those. They're all about swiping and all about, you know, just getting through the inventory. And you can't really search because it's just an algorithm that gives you what they think they want you to see. So the good news is because it's an algorithm it builds on itself. And if you date with intention and you know what you're looking for and you spend time on the profiles that really resonate with you instead of just who's hot or not, then you can get into a better you know, pool of people. But I've found that the swiping sort of sites, they just want to keep you swiping and it leads to that grass is greener mentality. I mean, no one I, I'm, well, I shouldn't say no one I work with loves the apps. I mean, a lot of people don't want to be on the apps, but they're begrudgingly on the apps. So it's about trying to find a way to be on them and make them more fun, but not get sucked in and not um, have bad experiences or a bad attitude about it, which then just kind of spirals. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to Meet Mindful as a site, Mm -hmm. because I think um, you and I both work with consciousness minded people. So for those who don't know about Meet Mindful, it's basically for the conscious community and it's, it's more of a, of a site than a swipe situation. There's, there's a swipe feature, but it, I, I would say it's set up more like you, you grouped the first group. So anyone that hasn't heard of Meet Mindful, I really, really recommend that. It doesn't necessarily have as many people on it, but I think it's a great first filter for if you're also into consciousness stuff, um, you're going to find more people there that are probably going to be a match. Um, So I want to start to shift now into the relationship people. So people that were either just dating or in a committed relationship before the pandemic and how the pandemic has affected their relationship. Um, So I would actually love to hear from you first, Violet, and then maybe we can go through some of these responses. But you're married and I'm curious, we're now going on, what are we on, like five or six months of mm-hmm. this. And I'm curious to hear how the pandemic affected your relationship. And um, I'm particularly curious to hear whether it was sort of like, like were there phases? Was it like, oh, for the first few weeks we thought it would be over soon. And then it was like, oh, this is actually, this is actually happening. Like <laughs> this is gonna be our life for a while. And, and, and did that realization change anything as you were moving through it? I love this question. And it varied based on where my partner was at and where I was at emotionally or energetically, we have an interesting polarity in our relationship when one of us is like riding high and feeling good. The other is sometimes not feeling so good. And it's not that we create this for each other, although maybe we do. (laughs) I found that 
when I was in more of a dark place, Jason would be in a lighter place and, and vice versa. He is a realist. I don't want to say a pessimist. He's a realist. <laughs> so he kind of said from the beginning, this is going to be probably a year or two long thing. He had done the research and realized it was, it was not going to be a short-term thing or that it would at least go in waves of, of lockdown. And we have a newborn. She's eight months now, almost nine months. So we had already been in this trial by fire experience. I don't think I had any clear expectations I've only been grieving in hindsight. It's kind of like, oh yeah, I have spent the last three months not meeting up with other mommies of newborns. I have, you know, missed out on going to meet a friend at the Korean spa. Like it's hard for me to tell in the moment, but it's more that I'm realizing after the fact, but our relationship ironically has gotten even better, partially because I really like being around my husband. I I love being around him. And I'm not so much of someone who needs space, although I'll enjoy it if I have it. He is more of a person who needs space. But I think because we had done so much work on ourselves and on our relationship prior to having baby, prior to COVID, that the big kinks had kind of been worked out. And then when we have little flare-ups, when I'm having a tough moment or a tough day, or he's feeling stressed, we just have developed more of an ability to soothe each other. So I would say we're still having spikes. Like I'm having spikes of feeling overwhelmed or spikes of feeling frustration, but our empathy has gone way up. Like we're both just, Oh my God, I'm so glad we have each other and shit is crazy right now, but at least the world is waking up and we're committed to helping the world wake up. So it's, it's kind of amplified our purpose and increased our empathy. I think that's really encouraging for a number of reasons, but what I want to highlight there is that you you are both committed to becoming more conscious and growing, and you're also committed to doing that together. And so even before COVID, you had already gotten some support from a couples therapist and you were, like you said, working out attachment stuff. So I think like my guess is it's kind of like a pressure cooker, right? For a lot of couples, they're, they're at home, they're together all day. They're working in the same space. Um, unless, you know, one of them's working outside the home, Um, but, and I just want to call out the socioeconomic thing in the background here, which is a lot of folks that have the luxury of working from home are working from their computers and they're at a certain socioeconomic class, whereas lower class people socioeconomically are not really able to do that. And they have to leave the house to provide for their families. So I just want to say like, not all of us are having the same experience. Um, but for those that are working from home, let's say that you've got two people in a relationship married or not. Um, in the same space, right? They're together all the time. So anything that was already there is becoming amplified. And it's what's encouraging about, about what you're describing is that if you do do the work on your relationship, if you are getting the right support and you're both committed to growing, it's actually, it's actually not every single couple that's struggling, right? Like some couples are actually um, becoming closer through this. And I think that a lot of that speaks to you know, how much support you've gotten beforehand, how, how strong a foundation have you built in your relationship before this point? And how willing are you to get support now? I just did a, a mini course, like a short course called Embodying Divine Union. And I was surprised how many people signed up for that that are in relationship. They're like, I just want some additional tools because I want to be a better partner for my partner while we're going through this. And that was really impressive to me. I love that. I was also reading a cool article about sort of creative coping 
skills that couples are developing. So I thought this one was really fun. This was um, for couples that are in very enclosed places. So this was specifically like New York City apartments that are pretty small. Um, when both people are working or even if they're not working, you know, sometimes you just want space from your partner or you just need to be focusing or concentrating on something. And you're like, I can't have a conversation about dinner right now. I need to just do this. So each of them selected a sweatshirt and they were like, when I wear this sweatshirt, I am invisible. (laughs) It's like like a personal invisibility cloak. Like, and, and each person knew what the other sweatshirt was. And it was like, you were totally honoring of that. Like, Oh, he's not really here. Like we're technically in the living room right now, but like, I'm not allowed to ask him about this. I'm not allowed to discuss that. Like this is, you know, he's in his personal space, so to speak. And I was like, that's super creative. I love that as a concept. And I think there's a lot of, I don't know. Yeah. I think if you, if you, if you, if you have the space to make it fun, I think there are ways to sort of like enhance your relationship in fun ways that are also incredibly practical because I think that the, the thing that, like you said, um, you maybe need less space than your partner does. I think that's a dynamic that comes up in a lot of relationships that I, I'm guessing is exacerbated by the pandemic. Um, even if you're not in a relationship, one of my guy friends was talking about all the things that he does outside the home to help him regulate. So this, and this person is immunocompromised. So he would go to a park and he would hang out with trees or he would go to a float tank or he would get acupuncture. So none of his coping mechanisms outside the home are available right now. So he's had to kind of discover other ones. And that takes time. That isn't something that happens overnight. It's something that develops through time. And only now is he sort of getting the hang of, of other, other ways to help himself regulate. But I really feel for people that don't have access to that stuff or aren't able to get the space that they, they kind of really need. Yes. And you're making me think of this notion of simplicity, which I've never been that about. I'm like, more is better for everything. But I've really started to value simplicity so much more like, okay, yeah, normally I would like to go to the spa, but maybe I can just look out my window and take a few breaths. Maybe I can, you know, just cook something from our garden, like really soaking into simple pleasures and letting less be more for once seems to be a a value of the, of the pandemic. And I also want to give a shout out to my husband, Jason, who listeners will know from the episodes that he's done with you, but you mentioned fun. And one of the times when I was really in a funk, Jason got out his VR headset, his Oculus headset and found this amazing Cirque du Soleil, like 20 minute virtual experience. And it completely shifted my mood. I was like twirling around in the living room, wearing this VR headset and He's also gotten us virtual dance classes. So we're taking dance lessons virtually every Sunday night. And um, he set up a projector outside and did a little concert streaming thing. So for the men and women listening that are like, well, what do I do with my partner? And how come it's just, you know, so boring? There's actually a ton of really cool stuff to do that can really delight your partner in really, in really small ways, including... Uh, all the things I mentioned. And then something we haven't talked about yet that we don't have to talk about too much, but I just want to throw out there is, you know, our sex life has gotten even better in COVID because we're just, I don't know, everything just feels really good. (laughs) That is awesome. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I know there was one response that said, basically like our sex life has been reduced to nothing. The stress, this person said the stress and of family life and work have totally extinguished any ability for leisure time to have sex. We had hoped to have another baby. 
and that isn't going to happen. And I really felt for this person. Um, so it's good to hear your experience, which is like, Hey, it's even better. Like it's better than ever. Like it doesn't, yeah, it's just, it's inspiring to hear that it can be, it can be even better, even through challenging times. Um, I thought this was an interesting response. This person said, uh, it's induced me to stay in a challenging relationship far longer than I probably would have otherwise and work through our challenges. It has also probably led me to spend more time with her sooner than I might have otherwise as someone who's been used to spending most of my time on my own or with friends prior to that. So it's almost like there's a way that it's, it can speed things up. There's a way that it's speeding things up. And I, I think this is related to your your point about simplicity, that part of the reason it's speeding things up in terms of of relationship is because so many other things have been stripped away, right? There are fewer distractions. There are fewer, there are fewer events. There are fewer things to do outside the home. And I think that that not only like it, it, it not only forces us to be more internal, but it also, I think, naturally prompts reflection on like, what is really important to me? What do I really want? I think there's a lot of us asking really deep questions about our lives because this has kind of disrupted, you know, the status quo and what, what we were doing before. And that, you know, if you look at a lot of like big shifts in history, many of them have come after a gigantic disruptive event, such as a war, right? A lot of, um, a lot of things got shaken up in this country, for example, after World War II, with respect to women's rights, because women moved into a lot of roles that men were in, and that in some cases persisted. So there was a huge disruptive event, and then and things were kind of shaken up. And then at that point, we get to choose more of our lives instead of just going on the ride of like, we're doing life, we're doing life, we're doing life. Like it's just this kind of nonstop thing. I think it's kind of slowed things down and had us reflect on what really matters. Absolutely. That was really important what you just shared. So I briefly want to touch on this person who is immunocompromised. And um, this person said, my significant other works at a VA clinic that has COVID testing and it has negatively impacted our relationship. I am immunocompromised and we have both been really hesitant to be physical because of the inherent risks involved. So just kind of like a moment of warning for people who are in relationships and can't see their significant other. I think there's, there's something really sad about that, especially if it's like, oh man, they're right there in your city or right there in your town, but it's not really safe to see them. There's just something extra poignant about that. And, um, I really feel for the, for that category of people. Mm -hmm. Yes. I know women who are, thinking about things like fertility where one woman in particular, who's not one of my clients, she's an acquaintance, but she had a a fertility plan set up that was more like kind of a friend donor and he's in Canada and she's in the state. So that isn't happening. Um, So there's just, yeah, there's, there's implications for dating, for relationship, for family planning and all of that. Yeah, this is, um, this is another response by someone. This is a man who said, um, it didn't help. That's for sure. This was in response to the question, like how has COVID affected your relationship? And he said, didn't help. That's for sure. Um, my spouse was already feeling lethargic. She 
um, decided to be a stay-at-home mom and she wanted to start working to gain a routine and self-worth again, right as COVID and lockdown hit. And he says, I was excited for lockdown because I took it as a way to recharge our love and a great time for all day love sessions, but she was not into it. Being mm-hmm. forced to be locked in created so much distance and spite. While I tried to go closer and improve our love life, she pushed away and got more anxious and stressed. And one of the things, yeah, one of the things I heard in that response was just like, man, I had this plan. Like I wanted to do this thing and then COVID hit and it completely destroyed that idea. And then like, how resilient are we as people to kind of like shift gears and say like, oh, well, that's not going to work. Like, what am I going to do instead? But on top of that, you know, you put couples in particular together um, and attachment stuff is going to come up, right? That's part of what I heard in that answer was like, wow, there's some definite attachment stuff happening in that relationship. And it's sort of like, yeah, it's just exacerbated by, by COVID. Mm. Yeah, I really feel for that situation. And I think this is a time where we want connection more than ever in order to regulate our nervous systems and to feel um, pleasure and to have safety and just to enjoy being around other people. And if you're in a relationship and you're feeling lonely in the relationship, then it's, it's hard. But to your point, we're resilient. And I think COVID is making us be more creative about how we get our needs met. Yeah. Speaking of that, like I know Jason, every other week, Jason hosts a men's group and he was doing that in person in LA, but now it's all moved online. So there's actually quite a lot of support now that's even more accessible than it ever has been because so many things have moved online. So, and any men that are interested in that, I really encourage you to check it out. It's every other Monday night and it's probably going to happen all the way through the pandemic. So, um, definitely check that out. Um, this question I thought was would be a fun one for you to answer too, Violet, and then we can talk about the survey responses. What has been the highlight and low light of being in your relationship during the pandemic? I think the highlight has been just how much I love my partner. Last night, we had a really fun lovemaking session. <laughs> and then I went to bed and he was still working. And as I was going to bed, it was sounds silly because obviously we're married, but I was like, I could spend the rest of my life with this person. (laughs) I was just tongue in cheek, like thinking to myself how lucky I am that I get to spend the rest of my life with this person. So I feel more loved, more cherished, more supported than I ever have by my partner, even though it's not like we're doing any exotic trips or something. Like we're finding ways to make the days special whenever we can. And we get super excited about when he has great, you know, success in the garden or when one of us gets to work with a new client to help them with their love life or when our baby does something cute. Like, I think I would like to believe that we're just more present with the caveat of when I'm not present, like I'm really not present because the world is so intense right now, but those amount of times that I'm less present feel further and further between because we've got each other to drop in with and we've created this solid foundation. Mm. That's beautiful. Um, I think that's really sweet about that moment of like, I could spend the rest of my life with this person. Like I took a vow to spend the rest of my life with this person. Yes. <laughs> but it's more like I could enjoy the rest of my life with this person. Yeah, which is right, which is not the same thing. Um, this one person said, no one big and flashy experience on either side, but the upside has been that I'm probably much less lonely than I would be otherwise. My needs for touch and intimacy are amply met. 
The downside has been that I think my girlfriend has been less happy and more anxious than she might be otherwise. And when she's in that mood, we tend to fight more than when she's happy. Mm. I was like, oh boy, you're definitely not alone there. Um, this is the one I mentioned before about dating in reverse. He said, I think the highlight has been our ability to do what we've called dating in reverse due to quarantine. We've spent a lot of time doing things like cooking together, reading on the couch, binge watching Netflix, walking the dog, et cetera. We've reached a comfort and intimacy with each other that makes being around one another all the time soothing. At the same time, there's that, there's still that excitement of, I can't wait to take her on dates here and there. The low light was when her father caught COVID. He was able to recover from it, thankfully, but it was a big test for a brand new relationship to have to deal with crisis in the first month. That's amazing. They were able to navigate that crisis. And I'm sorry that their father had to go through that. But I do think this is bringing out the resiliency, like you said, in couples and in individuals. This person, I thought this was a funny response. He said, highlight, not being alone during this time in history, low light not being alone during this time in history. (laughs) The increased exposure of risk has significantly and negatively impacted our sex life. Um, Kisses are few and far between as I'm immunocompromised and he works at a COVID testing site. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is another person who isn't able to see her person. Um, But I thought, I just thought that was, yeah, a a funny sort of like, I, I think that's true for some, some people is like, oh, I'm really glad I have my partner. And then on other days, it's like, man, <laughs> this is a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, it's just, it's an intense experience. It's also, I think, going to be so interesting to see what happens once it finally is passed. Because I'm curious to see, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, I know that there's a number of, um, there's a number of couples that are getting divorced or I know divorce attorneys are, their phones are ringing off the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I, and of course we're hearing about that, but we're not necessarily as much hearing about what we're talking about, which is couples that are sort of working through it, like becoming a team, becoming an even stronger team through, through this. And I think that's almost like when you forge iron and fire, it becomes even stronger. And there, there's something about that. like we've made it through something really difficult that I think can cement a relationship in a way nothing else can. Yes. I'm excited to create with my partner. We've talked about new offerings we're creating, you know, vision boards about other things that we want to create a new home. And it's exciting because it feels like once you have this energy that you've been spending on making a healthy relationship, it moves into more of a maintenance phase. And then you've got a lot of energy to do other stuff for yourself, for your relationship and for the world. Ooh, I really like that. That's the second time I've heard this, this concept of like, like conscious couples that are coming together, kind of like there's the the honeymoon phase, then there's the explosion of like, here's all of our attachment shit. And like, <laughs> let's, you know, and then you work on that for a while. And then there's this kind of like, glorious thing of like, we're pretty solid. And then you sort of turn out towards the world and like, what do we want to do in the world together individually and together? And how do we want to serve? And I think that's a, that's just, I, I, something about that I find really, really inspiring of like the phases of conscious relationship. It's like, it's, I just find that very cool. Yes. It's amazing. I I think we're moving into a phase in in our society where it's less about 
massive systems, be it corporate or government, I think those are breaking down, at least I hope they are, and that it's being repopulated or will be repopulated by smaller teams, whether that's a family or a couple or a small business or a farm or, you know, these little units that are rebuilding society from the ground up. Yes, I find that very inspiring. And it makes me think of um, communal living and cooperatives. And that's something I've been exploring a lot of just like, how else can we structure? How else can we structure things that actually serves us as both as, you know, couples and as the wider culture? Because I think it is important to support couples. And it's part of why I do the work that I do, because couples are the family units of the future, right? They are the ones that raise the next generation. And so if you have healthy couples, then you're just going to have less strife overall because they're going to be raising healthy kids. Yes. Okay. So as we start to wrap up here, I just wanted to call out a few responses I thought were fun. This is a, my favorite question on any survey. Anything else you want to add? Because I always get like hilarious answers. Um, this person says, this was the order of events. One person said, COVID has definitely made dating harder, exclamation point. The next person put, help us all. that was funny and then I thought this one was really insightful it says people are talking about an increased desire for relationship during COVID while I agree that the desire or intention may exist I don't think the increase in anxiety and isolation allows allows for an increase in ability to be in relationship good intentions are meaningless in a time when COVID sparks fear and anxiety that ultimately heightens our problematic attachment styles so I thought, I just thought that was insightful of like, yeah, you, people might want to get into a relationship more, but does that mean that they're more capable of being in one? Probably yes. not. Yeah. If they haven't done their work, then, then no. I think that that's an amazing point that this person made because I'm mean, talking with my clients about this all the time. You want to listen for if someone wants a relationship, but you also want to pay attention to their actions. Are they, are they capable of creating a relationship? Do you feel like they're with you and they're attuning to you and, and, wanting and being able to do it are two different things. Yeah, absolutely. And then this person, I thought this was pointed. They said, I appreciate being part of this. I also feel like overall, this has been good for the country, sort of highlighting what is and isn't important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. So um, just uh, a couple other ideas as we wrap, um, since uh, I was thinking of this before. For, for men who are dating during COVID, in terms of leading, I know that one thing that I really liked was um, the man that, that I met that I was relating with sort of asking me like, hey, I want you to feel safe and like this is fun for you all the way through this process. So I'd love to talk about just like what would have you feel safe in terms of us meeting up. And I was like, oh, that's a really good way of phrasing that. Like mm-hmm. sort of stating the intention, like I want this to feel safe and fun for you. I want you to feel relaxed. What would have you feel relaxed? And that feels like a really good sort of introduction of like, not instead of like, what are we going to do about, <laughs> about this? Like, mm-hmm. here's my intention. I want you to feel safe and relaxed. And then, you know, now let's talk about it. Um, and then just in terms of virtual date ideas, whether you're dating or in a relationship, um, there's some really, really cool concerts, free concerts, and also paid concerts going on. Like a lot of musical artists are making themselves more available than they ever have been. And that can be a really fun date, either with the person you're with or someone that you're, that you're relating with. Um, so just, if you just like Google free concerts, the, the N- NPR actually has a really like comprehensive list of them. 
Um, and then the other thing I wanted to shout out was Airbnb experiences have gone online and there's some really cool Airbnb experiences in places like, like Prague or Chiang Mai, Thailand, or, um, uh, like temples in Japan. Like there's really, really interesting stuff happening online that has not been online before and can be really, really creative and cool. If you, if you can't physically travel, which a lot of Americans can't right now because we're not being accepted into most other countries, um, you can at least virtually go to places you've always wanted to go or yeah, there's just, there's really interesting stuff happening. So, um, just wanted to give a shout out so that we can have more fun in our lives. Yes, absolutely. And just as a final thought, I want to say a big thank you to all of our essential workers. One thing that Violet and I were touching on after the call ended was she has been in contact with some healthcare professionals, as have I. And for single healthcare professionals, it's been especially challenging to date because they don't feel like it's necessarily responsible. So I just want to give a very genuine, heartfelt thank you to all of the essential workers who are working at this time, particularly in healthcare. Thank you for everything that you're doing to support all of us as we move through this as humanity. Hey guys, this is Mel. And this is Jason. You've probably heard me on at least a few episodes by now. And we coach together in part because we know that it's when the masculine and the feminine come together that we are the most powerful. So we wanted to let you know about a free training that we put together for you guys. It's about how to take back control of your love life. We are absolutely inspired to help guys like you take all of the amazing ideas that Mel has introduced to you on this podcast and actually put them into practice, bring them into your life to create lasting change. So if you're interested in that, just go to evolutionary.men slash training to sign up. If you've been looking for a way to go a little bit deeper than just this podcast, this is the opportunity for you. Again, that's evolutionary.men slash training, and you're going to get a much deeper dive with Mel and I.